Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet Season 2, the podcast where we talk to business owners who show that financial metrics aren't the only measures of success. I'm Ashley Bloom and I'm your host. Starting a business can take over, but how do you balance running that business whilst maintaining a healthy work-life balance? You know, I'll never forget, I was on the call to a potential investor while I was bathing my daughter. He called me up, right? And he was like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine, but it's 7.30 and you called me and that's splashing. I'm like, it's not me in the bath, it's my baby girl <laughs> that's in the bath, right? My biggest success is the team. All of our financial success and our growth and all of those things are great. I see them as vanity metrics. I am incredibly lucky. I would pay good money to get to hang out with these people on a day-to-day basis. This week, I talked to Amrit Santhirasenan, founder and CEO of Hyper Exponential, also known as HX a London-based tech startup that's transforming the world of insurance. Amrit is also a proud father and the host of the Startup Dads podcast, a show navigating the highs and lows of building a business while also raising a family at the same time. In this episode, Amrit and I take a deep dive into the world of startups and Amrit provides us with some tangible takeaways on how to scale your business whilst also being a dedicated parent. I hope you enjoy the interview and I'll be back at the end. Amrit, welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet. You are an entrepreneur fast becoming an influential figure in the world of fintech, and you also host the Startup Dads podcast, a show that navigates the highs and lows of building a business whilst raising a family. I can't personally wait for you to share some of your learnings from your journey so far, but to kick off, I'd just love to hear your elevator pitch. So who you are, what you do, why you do it. Sure thing. So firstly, hi, Ashley. Thanks very much for having me on the podcast. You're Excited welcome. To be here. So yeah, who am I? Well, I'm one of the co-founders of HX. I've been an actuary, so doing building mathematical models to help insurance companies and financial institutions make better decisions with data. I've been doing that for 15 years. More recently, as I said, I set up HX in 2017. I'm a dad, a maths geek, massive enthusiast about technology and lover of all things related to modeling and technology. Perfect. And you said you started your business in 2017. And when you started, it was just a two person team working out of your kitchen, right? It was. And now you're a multi-million pound business with more than 20 team members, which is crazy in just a couple of years, especially being that one of those years has been the pandemic (laughs) that we now find ourselves. So can you talk me through your journey from kind of 
right at the beginning to how you got to where you are today. Yeah, it's uh, one that you're absolutely right. You know, 2020 was a wild year for all of us, wasn't it? And I think you you get to the end of that and you reflect a lot on different parts of your life. And you're right, I I definitely uh, have to pitch myself sometimes when I think about what HX has become from Michael and I, the co-founder and I working uh, in our kitchen. So what was motivation? I think, you know, I've got a reasonably cliched origin story for setting up HX. I worked in the industry that I now serve, you know, that HX now serves as as clients for 15 years. Uh, And I spent a lot of time trying to build and use models that did tricky and complex things with data to help people make better decisions in the financial sector. Ended up, you know, had a really good run, really enjoyed that. Ended up running the team responsible for that at one of the largest insurance companies in the city. And basically realised that there was no software for us to do our jobs. So it's probably worth me mentioning that I'm an actuary, but I studied software engineering at university. So I've always really been interested in technology and how it can be used to do things much better in my field. And that's become, you know, using technology to do things uh, better in finance is is extremely popular now. It certainly wasn't cool when I started. So yeah, always wanted to to do something like this, but really just wanted the tools to help me do my job better. Ended up, yeah, the company I worked for was a multi-billion dollar business. I had a really great budget and a really supportive Uh, manager and company but just couldn't find the tools to do my job and you know I found myself scratching my head saying you know this is a 700 billion dollar industry right 700 billion dollars is the financial sector it's not small Um, why are there no tools for me to allow me to do my job as best as I can because you know the decisions that we help people make in the financial sector you move the needle by one percent and you could potentially be disrupting a sector by tens of billions uh, uh, of pounds. You know, at that moment, I had that really cheesy founder eureka moment. I was like, well, I can do this. I've worked in the industry. I understand my clients' needs. You know, it's a small industry despite being really, really big. I've got a technical background and I've got great people and friends. My co-founder is a great friend of mine and someone I know really well. We've got the right tools. I, I think when you're a founder, you're generally extremely optimistic. You have to be a very optimistic person to be a founder of a startup. So barreled into it, you know, it felt very obvious. I've been on the roller coaster ever since. It's crazy because... I mean, I I have this conversation quite a lot, but how did you find the actual transition from employee to founder? Because I think it's something that isn't actually spoken about quite a lot, but there must be a huge difference in that whilst you're running a team and managing a department and that sort of thing, you are still not accountable completely to kind of the bigger picture. Whereas the moment you take that jump, right, from employee at a huge corporate company, with a lot of ownership of what you're doing and then take the jump to becoming a founder. How did you find making that switch and what were your biggest learnings from that? Yeah, it's a fantastic question and you're absolutely right. It's one that's not talked about very often. A few things I think that really struck me and motivated me and helped me do it. I I suppose the first thing I would say is... You hear founders of successful businesses, and I think by most metrics, HX is a really successful business, who talk about things as if it's really obvious and natural to them. And I'll tell you right now, it is the hardest job I've ever done. But like, I was great at my old job, right? I was really good at it. It came really naturally to me. I didn't find it stressful. My job was naturally had highs and lows, but most days I was like, yeah, I'm good at this. You become a founder and you realise you've got no bloody idea of what you're doing most days. 
right? And, you know, I am an enthusiast about life and I'm in this to learn and grow and to get the most out of it. So I'm getting better at it every day. But I definitely realised you make that transition. And Ben Horowitz talks about this. You know, Ben Horowitz is one of the leading VCs out there. He's got a great Mm -hmm. book, which is one of my kind of go-to. He talks a lot about how founders, if there were a test, the average score of founders on the test would be like 22, 23 out of 100. It's a hard job and it was a shock to the system. Right. Coming from a career where all of a sudden you're responsible for the overall organization. There's no longer a box where you're in charge of mathematical modeling, pricing and analytics. Yeah. Right. I'll never forget, like in the first couple of weeks, going to see my family on one of those rare days that I I, I left the house to go and see my family. I mean, we were allowed to. This was before the pandemic Uh, and being on the bus and like writing our company's HR policy on the bus. Right. I was sitting at the back of the 185 bus writing the HR policy. And, you know, you all of a sudden have to become a master of so many domains. Uh, and that was a massive shock to the system. A huge learning opportunity. And, you know, you look back on these things and the, you think, how on earth did I do that? And if I didn't enjoy it uh, in a perverse sort of way, I think it would be almost impossible. How did it, another side of things, what motivated me? You know, how do you, one of the things that kind of kept me going doing it? Well, I suppose when you set up a business, if it's not a kind of one person lifestyle business, you're accountable for lots of people, right? HX has 26 team members now. You know, I reckon we'll have 50 or 60 by the end of the year. I'm responsible, right? I'm the ultimately directly responsible individual for making sure HX is succeeding, growing, getting cash through the door, and that they're energised to come to work and they believe in what we're sure. doing. So, so not difficult at all to be tremendously motivated because I remember at the very beginning, I'd kind of program myself to go, you're responsible for these people when you get out of bed every morning, right? You've got to make this work. People are some of we have some of the world's leading engineers and, you know, across the whole company, team members working for us of all skills, shapes and sizes. And they could be they could be working anywhere else, but they work at HX. And it's my job to make sure that their their investment in us is returned back to them. So that's a really key motivator. And I think when you work in a large corporate, of course, you have a, a sense of responsibility to your team. But it's nothing like the responsibility you have to your team as a founder. Like it doesn't come close. Um, and that helps. It gives you it, it, it drives you. It drives, certainly drives me a lot. And. The world of startups is incredibly fast paced and it can be high stress. Did you find that as a founder of a startup, it was absolutely essential to bring in team members with the right mentality and the right mindset to support you on that journey? I think different people have different beliefs on this. I'm a massive believer that the right mentality is everything. And it really is. And you can see the difference, candidly, between people who succeed and don't succeed at HX and any other startup is mindset. You know, some people are all about bringing people with experience in who've done it before. And I think that's really valuable. And don't get me wrong, at different stages of a startup's uh, life, I think those people are really, really valuable. But we see extremely clearly the difference between, you know, the owner mentality you know, it's one of the big motivations. Everyone at HX, every permanent team member that we're allowed to give equity to, right, they get equity in HX. And, and it's really important to me that they, everyone at HX feels like an owner. Because if people have an owner mentality, you don't actually have to do a huge amount when it comes to management. I mean, management's really important and you need to look after people's career progression and growth. But you don't need to worry about task management if you've got owners in your business. Experience is really valuable. But in my perspective, the mentality and mindset, it's the number one thing. No, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, you mentioned briefly that you had to become kind of a master of many different domains. Obviously, many business owners do find themselves wearing far too many hats, especially in the world of startups. And that 
has a direct impact on their work-life balance, which we'll speak about more because obviously that's why you started your podcast, The Startup Dads. What is your advice? Very, very briefly, as I said, we are going to speak about this more, but to entrepreneurs who need to loosen the reins and empower their workforce more so that they can rebalance their work and their life. I would be really lying to you if I told you I had this nailed down. So I struggle with this and I will be, wouldn't be pretending if I didn't. I think there are two things that really stick out to me. You have to build incredibly strong trust and you have to invest in building very, very strong trust in the people to whom you're delegating. And I think if you can't trust people to whom you're delegating, you need to either look inside yourself, look at the relationship or look at them. And I think that's really, really important. And I think that's something that I'm quite good at, right? I'm quite a challenging, my team will tell you, probably just on the cusp of unreasonable uh, is where I aim to sit, right? Because I think you have to be actually as a startup to achieve unreasonable things. I have, and I find that this is the sort of thing that I spend a lot of time really checking whether I can trust and work with someone. The second one, which I think, ironically for a data-driven technology startup, I think the other thing that you need to do is really set measurable objectives. Yeah. Measurable objectives that you can look at and that you can, you know, that you can anchor a conversation around. It doesn't mean that the conversation is all about the measurable objectives and data, but you need to set measurable objectives and you need to work really, really hard on making objectives all measurable, and even if it's uncomfortable, you need to have that those objectives. You know, there's all of the all of the science and art around OKRs and goal setting frameworks. You need to have those, and you need to have them established early, and you need to track them and work on them. And I think I can tell you now, for a really early stage startup, it's very hard to get into the habit of this. At the beginning of a startup, everyone's doing everything. I everything. Mean, yeah, and I think the phrase is almost not even everyone's doing everything. It's anyone is doing anything. Yeah. And you're assessing people all the time on a huge basket of responsibilities, which is very, very hard to quantify. If you've got trust and you've got some data around which you can use to tease out challenges and progress and, you know, why things are going well or why they aren't, I think, you know, those are two things that really stick out to me. Definitely. I couldn't agree more. And have you heard, have you read the book Traction? Yeah. Yeah. So we basically implemented the process of traction in our company. And what that's all about is setting 90-day rocks or 90-day goals so that you're, you're tracking things a lot more regularly than just saying, you know, my goals for the year or whatever it is. But also you've got measurable kind of KPIs to work against across every single department and every function of the business. So you've got your scorecards, which is what it's called, being updated regularly. And I must say that from a personal perspective, the difference of being so proactive with your data and not reactive is absolutely amazing. And doing kind of data-driven strategy for a business is so much more powerful than I think anybody could could comprehend. But as you say, at the beginning of the world of a startup, it's very hard to do that because a lot of it is experimenting, right? What will connect best with our target consumer? What What's going to work best? How... And it, you've, while you're in that period of experimenting, it's very hard to have tangible KPIs or data against against stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I would probably share, you know, one of the mistakes we made, because I think one of the things about being a great uh, entrepreneur is trying to avoid making the same mistakes over and over again. So if you can avoid making one of the mistakes we made is with respect to that point you just made about 90 day objectives. I think at a very early stage of a startup, the kind of books that go set yourself quarterly or annual objectives we didn't find it we, we found it didn't work yeah a startup successes can be measured in an hourly basis right and you know probably don't set yourself hourly uh, goals but you know setting yourself monthly uh, uh, goals or you know even fortnightly goals and checking those things off and seeing how they're going 
that's something I wish we'd done. I think, you know, it's very hard to measure your success over three months. You know, at the beginning of a startup, three months is... Changes so much. Yeah, and exactly. What you're trying to do changes so much. And you can still be successful, but it might be because you did something that, you, you know, you pivoted in some way, shape or form. Now, you're a proud father. You've got a daughter, right? I do. And obviously balancing work and family life is really important to you. So now that you're kind of at the stage where you are, where growth is huge, and as you said, you're about to bring on probably a load more employees, do you find that your balance has shifted and has that shift got worse or has it improved since the beginning of your journey? It's mm, a really, uh, uh, really good question. So uh, my answer there is it's probably two, it probably got better and worse in different ways. So I would say that if you're a founder of a business, you're one of your li- li- one of the loves of your life is your business. Right. Don't get me wrong. We have a motto at HX, which is health, family, HX in that order. And it's very specifically in that order because you need to put your own oxygen mask on first in order before you can do anything else. But outside my family, HX is something that is deeply, deeply ingrained in me. And quite frankly, I've never had enough time in the day to do all the things that I love. And then you add a baby girl on top of that, who I love more than anything else in the entire universe. Yeah. Uh, and there's even less time. I didn't have enough time before. And now I have even less than not having enough time than I did before. So what what's happened? You know, I have less time. And I one of the things that I have to do is I have to make my peace with the fact that I have less time. And I, I, the simple fact of the matter is that I cannot work as much as I want to. And I'm a, that's just something that you have to get used to. And, you know, the other thing I would say is that the thing about startups is that they have the way they work is they just get in the way when you don't expect them to yeah right so you know i'll never forget i was on the call to a potential investor while i was bathing my daughter he called me up right and he was like are you okay and i was like i'm fine but it's seven thirty, and you called me and that's splashing i'm like it's not me in the bath it's my baby girl that's in the bath right so if you want to have a chat you have a chat with me and evie that's the thing and you have to be ready for that right for the interruptions and time being consumed in ways that you you, that are difficult to fathom the flip side of that if you're thoughtful and building a successful business you do have fewer jobs over time there is kind of broadly in my 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 kind of mind four phases of of a business and they're probably far more but hx is you know still a baby unto it uh, by itself so the first phase we talked about anyone does anything the second phase anyone has three jobs or everyone has three jobs. Then the next phase is everyone has one job. And HX, I think, is just about transitioning from everyone has three jobs to everyone has one job. So while I have less time, I'm spending more time now on doing the jobs that I'm better at and I'm designed to do and I'm here to do. And that means, you know, although you have less time, you can get a lot more done because specialism leads to economies of scale and economies of performance and less context switching and all of those things. So as the journey has gone on, it's got better and more difficult, I would say. But in aggregate, I wouldn't trade this for the world, right? I have HX and I have my family and these are two things that I'm incredibly blessed to have. Let's just start talking now about the Startup Dads podcast because I think that that links in really nicely with what we were just discussing. So... You started this podcast how long ago now? I think probably start of the year, I think. It's been an idea that's been going for a long time. Yeah. And what made you initially start to actually decide, you know what, 
I need to start podcasts on this. This is something that needs to be like looked into and spoken about. So when when we found out we were expecting EV, you know, I did what most technologically kind of minded uh, millennials or whatever generation I am people do is <laughs> I googled it. I went on YouTube and I looked for some podcasts. Right, I need to learn how to be a dad. This is the best way to do it. I need something that I can consume on the bus while I'm multitasking doing five other things. I found there were lots of podcasts on parenting and fatherhood. But they were all designed for people who did slightly more conventional jobs than being an entrepreneur. And I remember people talking about, I'll never forget a phrase that really stuck with me because it doesn't resonate with me at all. And, you know, people said, one of the, the dads on the podcast said, well, you know, it's work. It's called work for a reason. It's not called fun. And in my mind, I was like, well, I feel really sorry for you, right? Because if your work isn't fun and you have work and fun, what a miserable 30, 40 hours of your life you must be spending. And that's not how I feel at all. It, it dawned on me that there were lots of people, whether they're startup founders or lifestyle business entrepreneurs, sole traders, lots of people for whom they're building their own businesses. And whether, like I say, it, it doesn't really matter to me, I think, whether you're a startup founder who wants to build a $100 billion business or you're someone that wants to build a lifestyle business and just work, uh, work for yourself with, under your own rules. People like that have a different perspective on life. And I wanted to do a podcast, I suppose, that, that talked about that side of things, talked about how founders balance their work and life. And, you know, it's, it's not even balanced, it's how they fit it together. And the other part of the puzzle was that I learned quite quickly, actually, is that there's huge amounts in common between setting up a startup and having a kid. And I know that sounds really strange, but you'll never forget the first time the midwife gives you your baby and you're like, oh boy, like I can't give this to anyone now. It's mine and I'm responsible for it. You know, the first couple of weeks you're like, right, my responsibility is just to keep this thing alive. I could probably sub out, actually. You know, you asked me about the questions about what it was like to transition from being employee to a founder. The, the kind of things you have to learn, the dealing with uncertainty, things growing and changing. Yeah, you know, what got you here won't get you there. That feeling of having to learn a new set of skills, you know, every few weeks. It was huge parallels. It's been an absolute gift to talk to lots of entrepreneurs about this because, you know, it's actually, you know, people think I'm definitely doing this for entrepreneurs, but I'm also doing this for myself. I get to chat to some definitely. of the world's leading investors and entrepreneurs every week about what it's like to build a business and have kids. And yeah, it's, it turned out to be something that's, it's clicked with people and people want more of it. So uh, it's building its own traction and momentum. I completely agree with you. When I do these interviews for Beyond the Balance Sheet, I also get so much out of them. What I take from them on a personal level is is huge. I interviewed a woman called Jan Cavill, who is the author of Scaling for Success or Scale for Success. She actually found that owning a business and trying to scale her business whilst also bringing, she was a single mother and she was bringing up her children. She said she found that they what they have learned now that they're older about business and entrepreneurship and everything from her, from watching her go through that journey and go through the pitfalls that come with starting up a business. She said, it has been amazing to see that while sometimes it was difficult, their attitude towards drive and and passion for something is, is absolutely incredible. So I think for anyone that's kind of listening to your podcast and going through something similar... I think knowing that in the future, your daughter is going to be kind of watching your journey and see that you've built this incredible business next to bringing her up is just amazing. And I hope that that inspires kind of the next generation of business leaders as well. Seeing young professionals take market share and do great jobs 
in the world of entrepreneurship. I think it's so easy just to kind of paper over the fact that startups are really difficult and non-linear and full of real lows to accompany the highs. I wanted other people to go, look, it's really hard, but you can do it. And here are some hacks, right, to try and make it a little bit easier. So if it just turns out to be a little bit of, you know, tips on how to make it a little bit more doable, I'd be very happy with that too. Let's let's hear some hacks for balancing work and your family life and some actual tangible tips on how you can be a dedicated parent whilst also being a dedicated business owner. First thing is make sure you work in a place or you, or you build a business that is super flexible because flexibility just makes sense. And, you know, we've had proof now, but a year of proof that, you know, the yeah. world is fine. It hasn't got into an equilibrium state where I think we can test the productivity. But I suppose the, the first thing I would say is that it's definitely fine and the world doesn't stop, right? We've seen that. So that's my first hack is just to make sure you leverage flexibility because you're just going to have to, right, if you've got kids. And I just don't know how people, quite frankly, I don't know how people did it who did a linear job before where they left the house at the start of the day and got back at the end of the day. The second thing I'd say is leverage your network and ask for help. Again, I think founders are good at this. If you're not, you learn to be very good at it because you need help uh, and you need to learn from people. Speak really honestly to you, I found this difficult at the beginning. You know, I didn't need a lot of help in my previous jobs. Lots of things came really naturally to me. Network of other founders and people working in startups, as well as your network of parents, is going to be so, so important. And then the other last part of the puzzle is, you know, you've got to not take yourself seriously. And I think this is really important. Having a, having a child is a really good way to learn not to take yourself seriously because they do not care whether you're co-founder or chief executive officer. Yeah, they will dismantle your podcast microphone and throw it across the room and they'd laugh in your face. Right. And I think, you know, you need to just realise that it's going to be OK and to not take yourself so seriously. So hopefully that's an authentic answer for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavour. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With regards to HX... Firstly, it's short for... Hyper-exponential. 
Hyper exponential. Who who actually ever calls it? Or... <laughs> I, I, so you know, my name is Santhirasanan. It's a Sri Lankan name, and I think when your name is Santhirasanan, you don't give that much thought to the name hyper exponential until you have to go into a client's office and go, "I'm Amrit Santhirasanan for hyper exponential," and you go, "Oh boy, <laughs> I've got a lot of writing down to do." As a co-founder of HX, what is your biggest success so far? What is the thing that you're most proud of? Oh, this is an easy one for me. My biggest success is the team. The biggest success by a country mile. All of our financial success and our growth and all of those things are great. But, you know, I see them as vanity metrics. I am incredibly lucky. I would pay good money to get to hang out with these people on a day-to-day basis, right? They're amazing. They're an amazing team. They always have been. And it's something we work really hard. We find it really hard to grow. There are lots of founders who talk about this. I think David Sue, who's the co-founder of Retool, a really uh, interesting uh, startup as well, talks about how actually it's really hard to grow very fast. Growing clients is actually, it's difficult, but it's much harder than finding really brilliant people who are super smart, super hardworking, and you like, right? And so for me, by a country mile, uh, assembling this team, and the team is growing itself now, uh, and getting to be the stupidest person at HX is the best thing that's happened to, to me by a significant margin, you know. I, well, I'll be working with, for, alongside these people for a very, very long time, whatever happens. And I think if you find the right sort of people, your company continuously levels up. You know, I think uh, one thing I'd say is, I don't think it's ever obvious that a company will continually, continuously level up. But we have to work very, very hard on our culture and, our, uh, and it's easier to be lazy than it is to be not, to not be lazy. And we've got to, we work very hard at that. Eh? And that's one of my most important jobs, right, is to continuously keep that uh, fed and watered and, uh, and, and blossoming. You, you want to be surrounded by people. You, what do they say? You're, you're the average of all the people you surround yourself with, right? So it's a, a slam dunk that make them all really great people. And on the flip side to that, what has been the toughest challenge for you so far? You know, the lowest low that you've experienced, or I guess you mentioned briefly one of the biggest mistakes that you've made, but what's kind of been the toughest challenge so far and what did you learn from that challenge? I can't single out a really particular, a particularly tough challenge. I suppose something that stands out to me is when the pandemic hit, HX was about to go through investment and client growth and all of those things. And I think, you know, the one thing I, I would say is when the pandemic hit, it put pause on lots and lots of things. And that was a point where Michael and I were like, oh boy, HX is again, unusual for a startup. We've been profitable and been growing very, very fast, very, very profitably for a really long time. But that uncertainty, and I was like, Phew, 20 people that we've got to look after, clients we've got to keep going, you know, there's lots to do here. What's the world going to look like? So, you know, I say the kind of, when all the oxygen left the room in the world, yeah, that's a bad analogy, left the room in the world, but I think you have a rough idea of what I mean. That was scary and that left us doing a bit of soul searching and we were, you know, we're actuaries, so we build mathematical models to understand risk by training both co-founders. We're like, oh, what do we do here? What's the risk? You know, how bad could this get? That was really scary. The other thing I would say I find very difficult, and I, th- I think we should be really open, is that we consciously don't want HX to be an easy place to work, right? We're a big fans that growth comes through doing hard things. Uh, and we tell everyone who joins HX, you know, you're going to grow, you're going to grow here. We want you to succeed and be happy as well, right? And so we're going to try and align your incentives and our incentives and our success with yours so you can grow success and be happy. It doesn't work with everyone and you lose people and, you know, it's really successful startups and unsuccessful startups. You know, I think startups as a whole, they uh, they, they have higher attrition rates and more people leave than, you know, slightly more linear, linearly growing companies. 
that hits me hard every time we have someone leave, right? It really does. And I was exactly the same naive founder a really long time ago that said every founder thinks that they're going to build a business where everyone comes along and they stay along for the ride all the yeah. way along. And it's going to be just right. And they're going to be one big happy family for, for 10 years. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be me. No, it definitely hasn't been. And we've lost people. Uh, you know, we've had to let people go. And that's been hard because you never let someone join that. You know, never let someone in unless you think they're going to succeed. And I think, you know, what happened there? What did we do wrong? What did they do wrong? How did we, how could we be better and avoid that? And I think that that's never easy, right? Because at the end of the day, we're all people and we're all on this journey for, you know, approximately the, the similar reasons. Uh, and I find that difficult. And I've always found that really difficult. Anytime we have to lose someone, I find that really, really hard. Uh, and I take, it doesn't matter whether HX has got, you know, five people, 25 people, you know, and when HX has 100 people, I don't expect that will change. I actually think that's a really refreshing response to the question because I've heard many times entrepreneurs on on our podcast speak about building an amazing culture and bringing on the right people, but never once has anyone spoken about how it feels to lose their employees and when their employees even move on. And it's, it's really, it does kind of affect you as the founder on such a deeper level. And that's obviously an absolute testament to the culture that you've built. Yeah, and I think you touched on something really interesting there. You know, people talk a lot about building a great culture. And I think about this a lot because this is a very large proportion of my job. But, you know, building really great things, it's, it, it, culture in many ways is a bit like, well, there, there are lots of things. There's a whole podcast on culture, I think, which we don't have time for. But building your business is a lot, it's about design, right? And I've realised this now as HX has grown. It's not just about smashing out beautiful products or building great technology. It's about design. And I love the phrase that really good design is also what you take away. And I think one of the things I've really realised is building a culture and building the values, it's a process of refinement. It's actually very rare that you build a great business and build a great culture by like slapping something on the edge. You normally, you know, and I'm sure of this, you know, I'm very confident that most, uh, if you look at in most executive rooms or boardrooms or whatever the appropriate management layer, senior management layer is a startup, most of that is a process of what do you need to take away? What do you need to smooth off the, the rough edges? What do you need to reconfigure? It's very rarely like, what do we need to add? We've got more brilliant things at HX we know what to do with. It's about working out how we smooth off some of the bits that need a little bit of refinement. And I think anyone would be naive to believe that the culture and the values and everything that they start off building at the very early stage of your startup, almost at the like seed stage when they've got this idea and the culture that you end up with maybe one or two years later, as you said, three months in startup world is like five years in normal world. I think any it would be quite a naive thought to think that that doesn't need refining and changing constantly and your own mentality of the culture that you want to build at that early stage is going to be the same as the one you want to build in the future. It's funny you say this because it's very similar. We talk about this on Startup Dads, right? Is that a startup in some ways, you know, the way we use describe it, it's a startup isn't quite like a child, but being a, a founder is a bit like being a parent, yeah. right? Uh, and I think one of the things is dealing with something that's different. Things change over time. And exactly as you said, right, it's the phrase, what got you here won't get you there. You have to think a little bit about how things change. And that's a very, very difficult thing. And, you know, everyone talks about it. It's a very easy, glib statement, like higher, slow, fire, fast. Both of those things are extremely difficult to do. Yeah, you look at some of the fastest growing, and they don't necessarily, be, you know, growth is not the, the ultimate arbiter of success in my perspective. But if you look at very fast growing startups, there's no way that they were able to hire slow. Uh, and also firing fast is not easy, right? It takes a personal toll on two, on at least two parties. So easier said than done. 
I'm going to ask you a question which we ask all of our podcast guests and I don't know whether you're going to want to think about it for a minute but based on the rest of our conversation I'm sure it will just fly from you so what is your business superpower what do you do that nobody else does I think I'm very very good at getting people excited about the future of what we're doing I'm incredibly committed I'm very proud and believe incredibly deeply in what we're doing at HX. HX has got huge plans. One of our very early supporters said, you're an acorn, but you're going to be a massive oak tree in a few years. And I really believe we've got the potential to do that. And I think that, you know, you've probably got the sense that, you know, you probably have to slow this podcast down by 20% to make people understand it. But we are, uh, you know, I'm incredibly enthusiastic and authentically passionate about what we can achieve as people, as a team, as a business. And I find it very easy to excite and energise really brilliant people to help us make beautiful and great things. And I think that's probably the thing that I'm best at, actually. And again, it comes back to, you know, when you asked me what my greatest success was, it was convincing these people who could work anywhere in the world, they would walk into any of the greatest companies in the world to come and join HX and help make HX what it is. So I think that's my superpower. Amazing. And if you have one piece of advice to give to anybody who's about to start a new business, knowing what you know now, what would that piece of advice be? I think I would say find yourself a mentor who has been there and done it before. I think one of the things that every startup founder, myself, and I'm just about learning to stop do this now, doing this now, is they go, my startup, my baby, it's beautiful, unique. There's nothing like it. It needs a very specific set of uh, frameworks and rules to make it work. And don't get me wrong, they'll, in order for your startup to be uh, really successful, there has to be some unique aspects to it, but not every single bit of it is unique. Your go-to-market strategy, your hiring strategy, what's your product roadmap strategy, lots of this has been done before and don't waste time reinventing the wheel. There are so many founders, myself included, that do that. So go and find yourself a great mentor in your space. You know, if you're building a really, really great B2B business, don't go find yourself an internet marketing Instagram person. Like that's the wrong thing. Equally, if you're building a really great marketing business, don't go and find yourself Salesforce corporate uh, entrepreneur. But find someone who's done what you, something similar to you before and go and listen and learn and ask some questions and, and enrich their lives with, you know, the questions you want to ask and the things you have for them uh, and make it an equitable exchange so they help you too. This podcast, as you know, is all about proving that financial metrics aren't the only measures of success. So outside of profit and other metrics, which you said actually for you don't mean success, what does success mean to you? Yeah, it's a, another easy, really easy one. And you probably get very strong themes coming out of my answer. So we think the most important thing, the most valuable asset on HX's intangible balance sheet, so to speak, is the energy, enthusiasm and motivation of our team. Yeah, if our team have got lots of energy, enthusiasm and motivation, wonderful things happen across the whole business. And don't get me wrong, we haven't been perfect at that. And we found it hard as a business. You know, we love hanging out together at HX. You know, and I think we're going to leverage the remote world a little bit, you know, when the world goes back to being a bit more three-dimensional. And we found that that side of things, not so, it's made things a little bit less fun. But the most important thing to me is the team being revved up to go and do as much of the most amazing work. Both of those teams, right? Loads and loads of really amazing work. And that is the most valuable asset I think any company can have secretly on its balance sheet, even if it's not tangible. Amazing. Thank you so much, Amrit, for joining us today. It's been amazing just getting to pick your brains and find out more about your journey. And I'm sure our listeners have taken all of those little nuggets of information that you dropped along the way. No problem. Uh, Thanks very much for having me, Ashley. 
Amrit's story proves that you can be both a successful entrepreneur whilst also being a devoted parent. But what really stood out for me was hearing a business owner speaking so candidly about how it feels to lose an employee to another company. Because from a personal point of view, I've only ever been on the other side of it. So it just goes to show that when you have a strong people first culture, the relationship between employee and manager goes both ways. If you liked this episode, go and have a listen to the rest of the series in series one. We are Raffingers and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at Raffingers. Alternatively, you can check out our website www.raffingers.co.uk. I have been your host, Ashley Bloom, and this has been Beyond the Balance Sheet. Thanks for listening and we'll have another episode for you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.